Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, this hasn't happened in a while, but I'm aggravated. So, aggravated Greeny is a Greeny you may remember. Rears its ugly head every now and again. Well, he's back. And right now, he's not better than ever. We are indeed presented by Progressive Insurance, and our guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. But I got two things that are aggravating me here. Do you want the one that is or isn't sports first? Give me the one that's not sports first. All right. So I just told you that Jenny, who was our stage manager, walks up to me today like 10 minutes before we go on TV and just says, you need a haircut, and then walks away. So we just talked about it on the air, and I think she's feeling a little bad about it. So now she walks over to Hembo and me, and she shows me a picture of a haircut that she thinks would look good. But I don't look at the haircut. I look at the bottom of the screen. And what she has Googled is old men haircuts. (laughs) Old men haircuts. That's the website that she's looking at to find a haircut for me. Now, how how is this supposed to sit with me? Well, I mean, are you an older man? I'm older. I'm not old. Okay, well, uh, what would you have preferred she Googled? Awesome haircuts for handsome people. I mean, uh, the old men haircuts? I told Greedy he needs a haircut. I think I'll try and find one that'll look good on him. I know what I'll Google. Old men haircuts. I mean, to me, the styles look pretty similar to what you do when you take care of your hair. Like, it looked the same to me. They, 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 those guys just had a little That guy's hair, hair was white. Well, <laughs> I mean, fully white. Yeah, it's he, not even gray. It was white. That guy looked 90. She Googled a haircut of a man who's older than my dad would be if he was still alive. Full head of hair, though. So that happened. Then I'm listening to SportsCenter, and Christine Lisi tells me Trey Lance has signed a contract and is now in camp with the San Francisco 49ers. So I go on Twitter. Adam Schefter tweeted, before the 49ers practice begins today, number three overall pick Trey Lance signs his contract, and then he himself quote-tweeted himself by writing, Jets' number two overall pick, Zach Wilson, is now the last unsigned first-round pick. Right below that tweet is one from Rich Samini, who covers the New York Jets, and he tweets, Mike White takes the first snap in the offensive walkthrough. So I had to Google Mike White. Mike White is an American writer, actor, and producer for television and film and reality TV show contestant who has won numerous inclu- awards, including the Independent Spirit John Cassavetes Award, for a thing he wrote and starred in 21 years ago. He's 51 years old. <laughs> now, that isn't the Mike White who's taking snaps for the Jets, but it is the first Mike White that comes up. <laughs> if I Google Zach Wilson, I'm not going to have to look up other Zach Wilsons. I only want quarterbacks playing for the Jets who are the first name that comes up when you Google them. Google Trevor Lawrence. You're not going to get someone 51 years old in Pasadena, California. What the actual heck is going on here? These contracts are slotted. Sign the kid. Get him in camp for crying out loud. The whole franchise is dependent on this. They have no backup. The backup is a reality show contestant. Or at least it might as well be. What the hell is going on? They're fighting over something that only happens in the event that he doesn't last four years with the team. I guess the Jets would know. The last one didn't. They're doing exactly the wrong thing. How the hell is this happening? 
get Zach Wilson in camp. So between that and this haircut thing, I'm really thrown off. Nuno, do you have any words of as the producer of this show, whose job it is to sort of keep me in a good place mentally? Do you have do you have any words because Hembo is just throwing gas on the fire here because down deep inside he's sort of an evil person? <laughs> I mean, two things. One, you should definitely be offended. Mm-hmm. Definitely offended. Mm-hmm. And two, I mean, let's not take Hembo's, uh, you know, opinion on haircuts uh, very seriously. <laughs> that is correct. Hembo, I mean, Hembo has been in basic training since the day I met him. You know the haircut that they give you at the beginning of the movie, Stripes? Hembo has had that haircut since, how long have I known you? Since 20, like, 12? Oh, oh, for as long as you know me, this is how I've looked. Right, that's mm-hmm. your haircut. That's, this is my haircut. What, what do you walk in and just say to the barber, I'll take the basic training today? Like, what, what, <laughs> what, 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 what instructions do you give a, a, a barber when they want your haircut like that? I'll do the, the freshman hazing, please. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Only 12 that's bucks. what I thought. I'll take, the, I'll take the scotch tape. No, I will take the tape to a goalpost, please. <laughs> I mean, it's better than the Tebow, the, the fryer. I mean, that was, that, that's the only alternative. Uh, so you're right. So, Nuno, you, you know what you've done? You're a good producer. You've made me feel better. We, I feel better. Should we not talk about the, all the hair that Nuno is losing himself? No, like, well, no. first of all, I know I'm losing Whoa. my hair, but I know that my barber does a great job, and it, and he keeps it fresh. That's Looking right. Looking back, yeah. That's exactly right. He's doing right. a great job preserving it. No, no, no. He looks good. Now, don't, don't, do, don't try and change the subject. You all of a sudden, you can throw out, you know, you, you're very good at throwing punches, but you're not very good at, at, at accepting them. All right. Uh, Greeny with you. Some things have been low on our to-do list, but life insurance can no longer be one of them. And so if you're like me with a wife and kids, you need to protect them. You need SelectQuote. SelectQuote has been helping families for over 35 years. Get your free quote at SelectQuote.com. That is SelectQuote.com. Dot com. Next. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All right, we're training camps opening all over the place today. Today's Green List is going to be the top five most impactful returns from injury. So we got a bunch of players coming back from injury. I'm going to go through these quickly here, Devin. So give me a little music. Give me a little accompaniment. I need a little something to put a little pep in our step here. So we're going to run through the top five. Most impactful returns coming up this year from NFL injury. Here we go. Number five. Five is Christian McCaffrey, and I'll tell you why. Because I think that team has a chance to do something. Hmm. McCaffrey will add a, another dimension. Obviously, he's the most dynamic and productive back in the sport when he's been healthy the last few years. He is finally going to give Sam Darnold the weapons that he needs. Darnold's got good receivers. They're much better than most people realize. That team was much closer to being good last year than most people realize. Now they have, a, I think, a quarterback who can make a difference for them in Sam Darnold. I think McCaffrey is going to make a huge difference for a Carolina team that is going to be thinking postseason thoughts. Number four. But at four, I'm going with Saquon for the same reason, except I think the Giants are better. I think the Giants are closer, if only because their division is worse. The Giants, I think, have a chance to win more games in their division than the Panthers do in theirs. Let's face it, Tampa Bay is winning the NFC South no matter what Christian McCaffrey or Sam Darnold do. I don't know about the Giants. I said it on TV this morning. I think the Giants have a chance to be sneaky good. If Daniel Jones is even remotely good, I think they're a playoff team. And I think Saquon should carry the load there. This is a make or break year, not just for the quarterback, but for the running back to get himself paid. I'll go Saquon at number four. Number three. And number three, I'm going to say Derwin James. Not enough people know how good Derwin James is. As a rookie, he had 105 tackles, six quarterback hits, three and a half sacks, and three picks. He's gotten hurt each of the last two years. 
He's played only five games in the last two seasons combined. But when healthy, he might be as impactful a defensive player as there is in the league for a team whose offense I think is going to be great. I think the Chargers offense this year is going to be great. I'm on record as saying I think Justin Herbert is going to be the league MVP. They've got top-level receivers, obviously, starting with Keenan Allen. They have completely remade the offensive line with two really good free agents they signed and the first-round pick uh, out of Northwestern and Rashawn Slater. They made a bunch of other good draft picks. The Chargers, I think, are going to give Kansas City a run for their money in the division. That's right, I said it. Mm. And Derwin James needs to be healthy. Number two. Number two is Odell. I, I feel like Odell has gotten less conversation for a guy who has been the talk of everything. Now he's coming back with a chance to take this team over the top. And people are barely talking about it. Yeah, they run it with Chubb and with Kareem Hunt. But if he can take the top off that defense, for him I think it's going to be about quality, not quantity. He may not have 11 catches every week, but if he's got – two or three of them that are huge plays, give me a 50-yard run and catch for a touchdown, which obviously he's as capable of as any player in the sport, that adds a dimension to a team that I think is thinking Super Bowl thoughts. So I've got Odell at number two. Number one. Number one is just too easy, and it's Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak Prescott is a spectacularly good quarterback. For all the fun I have with the Cowboys and at their expense, Dak Prescott is a genuinely great player. I'm thrilled that he got his money. And the minute he went down last year, they were done. Now, I don't think they were doing anything last year even with him because that defense was so bad, I don't know how much difference it would have made. But he makes a difference. The defense should get better, and Dak will make that offense spectacular. So Dak is number one. Those are my picks today. Today's green list, the five most impactful returns from injury of this upcoming NFL season. Christian McCaffrey at five, Saquon at four, Derwin James at three. Odell at two and Dak Prescott as one. Nuno, quick reaction. You, you like or don't like the picks? No, I like it. Why do you think of Saquon? How good are the Giants? I'm, I, I'm on record as saying, well, actually, let me hold, hold it on yes. that thought. I want to get your take on that because Nuno is a passionate Giant fan. He's extremely upset about the Yankees right now. I'm losing it with the Jets. Let's see what he thinks of my belief that the Giants are going to be sneaky good. Country versus country, you versus the home printer. No matter the competition, you need natural fuel. Almonds are exactly that fuel for the best you. Almonds are natural, energy-packed, stay-on-task, feel-good fuel to power you through. California Almonds own your every day, every day. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Greenie.
the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Our guests on the Goodyear Hotline. And let me circle back to my main man, Nuno, because I didn't get a lot of support for this on uh, Get Up this morning. But uh, let me see what Nuno thinks as a fan of the New York football giants. And let me make my case again. I made it to Kimberly Martin, and she, she gave me sort of a half eye roll. But I think Kimberly and Marcus and Jeff Saturday all kind of agreed with my big picture take. And here it is. I think the Washington football team is the team to beat in the NFC East. I I think they're an underrated, really good team. Like, I don't think they're good. I think they have a chance to be an elite NFL team this year. I believe the Cowboys are vastly overrated because they are the Dallas Cowboys. I think their defense remains terrible. I think their offense is one-dimensional. I think that... Zeke Elliott's best days are behind him, and we'll see. I'd love them to prove me wrong. Nothing is better for people in this industry than when the Cowboys are really good. I think the Eagles are still in the relatively early stages of rebuilding. So that's my big-picture look at the NFC East. It, of course, leaves the Giants. The Giants, the second half of last season, were pretty good. That defense, which started the year looking like it might be the worst in the sport, got leaps and bounds better. The coach really impressed me. I like Joe Judge. It's a small sample size, but I like what I saw. And the offense gets back Saquon Barkley, who when healthy is one of the best running backs in the NFL for sure. They already had a sneaky, decent wide receiving core, but now they add Kenny Galladay, who was the prize free agent, I think. He's the big physical 50-50 ball type, and they draft Kadarius Toney, who's the little quick slot guy who I'm telling you is just a touchdown waiting to happen every time he touches the ball. The offensive line has to get better. They keep addressing it. Can't get worse. So the question becomes, is the quarterback ready to play or not? They've put everything around him. They've done the opposite, the literal opposite of what the other team in town did. The Jets gave Sam Darnold no chance. The Giants have given Daniel Jones every chance. And when the world was stunned that he was picked sixth overall, it wasn't because they thought he should have been a fifth-round pick. That felt high to most people. But he was, on everyone's board, a first or, at worst, second-round draft pick. So everyone thinks he can play. And if he can, I think the Giants have a chance to be really good. I think they're going to make the playoffs because I think he's going to be good. Nuno, you're a Giant fan. What do you think? I here's my only trepidation about it. I think the Giants have the biggest boom or bust within that division because of the quarterback, right? But I, even if I think that Daniel Jones is going to take that next step, I'm still worried about Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator because of based upon the things he did in Dallas and now with all these weapons here, is he going to be creative enough to allow them to be as good as they can be? I think... The answer might be yes. I think they could actually win this division because I don't trust Ryan Fitzpatrick to have a full 17 games to put him in that level. Mm -hmm. And then Dallas, yeah, everyone's buying into the hype of, oh, Dan Quinn, look, he's this teacher. Like, come on, it's still the Cowboys. If if Dan Quinn (laughs) makes that defense above average, then he is the most underpaid person in the entire sport. That defense was unimaginably bad last year. I have no doubt they will get better. And they drafted Micah Parsons, uh, Barca Parsons, who I, I, I did the draft this year. I watched all that tape. He, he was the best defensive player in the draft. But one guy alone doesn't turn that thing around, especially a linebacker. He's not, he's not like a devastating, unstoppable pass rusher. He's not a shutdown corner. So 
I don't see it. I don't know. Maybe I'm the last man standing on the Daniel Jones thing. I know he turns the ball over. And I know people will tell you quarterbacks who turn the ball over in college and and then turn the ball over earlier in their careers never stop doing that. I don't buy that at all. Andrew Luck turned the ball over a lot when he first came into the league. Peyton Manning turned the ball over a lot when he first came into the league. They turned out okay. Daniel Jones turns it over. He needs to stop. He's never going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's never going to be 26 touchdowns and two picks. But very few people are, and he doesn't have to be. Hembo, you thumbs up or thumbs down on Daniel Jones? I'm thumbs down on Daniel Jones because for every Peyton Manning, for every Andrew Luck, there's a million other guys who don't fix that problem. When when doing all these statistical analyses, one of the things most consistent year to year um, are that, are quarterback turnovers. And in two years, he has more turnovers than he has touchdowns. And it's not just the interceptions, of course. It's the fumbles, too. I'm not buying Daniel Jones. I, I... especially given the offensive line. Yes, the weaponry is better around him, especially if Saquon comes back. That still might be the worst offensive line in football, and that, I think, will be their downfall. Well, it has been bad, and, and that is the part of it that I've never really understood with that football team because they address the offensive line aggressively every year, and every year it gets worse. But what I'll say is the guy they took at the, at the, to be the left tackle last year, Andrew Thomas, he has to be good. He has to be because they, he was part of this – very deep left tackle draft, and, and they took him ahead of a bunch of guys, including the kid in Tampa, Jedrick Wills, who everyone says won Brady a Super Bowl, and, and Mekhi Becton for the Jets, who looks like he's going to be first-team All-Pro for a decade. So you don't draft a guy ahead of those guys if he can't play at all. So it, it, make, it, is not, it, it does not make any sense to me, it doesn't make any logical sense to me that he can't play at all. Yeah, definitely not. The other thing that you said that I don't necessarily agree with is how – like, I, I, do, I do think Joe Judge did a nice job with that team, especially in the second half of that season. But it was a, it's the worst um, division in the history of the NFL, which they went five, you know, five and three in the second half. And we can look at the roster and see that they just weren't that talented. I mean, the, the, the blood and guts thing that he does just can't work year after year. Like, I think in, his, in year one, I get it. He motivated the guys. They had a lot to, to earn because there's very little talent there. That's not a sustainable But he's got thing. talent now. That's my point. He's he doesn't got, have to do that. He's got more talent. They he's got Saquon Barkley. He's got Kenny Galladay. He's got Kadarius Toney. He's got a bunch of players he that, didn't have. That's still one of the six or eight worst rosters in the NFL, in my opinion. They just don't have enough talent across the board, and they don't have a quarterback to elevate them. That, that, they're starting from so far down on that list that if they're going to make the playoffs, Daniel Jones is going to have to make a, like a Josh Allen kind of leap, and I just don't see him having the talent to do that. All right, well, we'll see who wants a big ahead. You got a thought, Nuno? Well, no. I, what I want to ask Kembo is all the analytics geeks told us that uh, Josh Allen's completion rate, you know, that, that was a concern, right? In college, mm-hmm. he was in the 50s. He was at almost. He was a slightly over sixty nine percent last year, and he'll and he's improved on that. So, uh, Daniel Jones fumbling can be improved. Yeah, and you know what? Can I uh, please amplify that point? That is why I have described Buffalo and Josh Allen as a total organizational success. They went all in on making sure it worked, and the the finishing touch, the the cherry on the Sunday was going out and getting Stefan Diggs. We're going to go get you a dynamic star receiver. Now, Kenny Galladay is not as good as Stefan Diggs, but he's way the hell better than anybody they had last year. He is. And Saquon comes back healthy. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, the rookie is really good. Kadarius Tony is a good player. So they've made the kinds of aggressive moves. And you could say it's because the GM is trying to justify his pick and save his job. Maybe it is. But sometimes you can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. So I, I think Nuno makes a good point. It's, a, it's an outstanding point. The analytics community 
of which I am one, was wrong about Josh Allen. No one saw him taking a year two to three jump that he did. That was in large part because of Stefan Diggs, but also the infrastructure in the, the organization allowed it. The Giants have to prove that to me first before I'm going to bet on them to win their division. I'm with you, but I don't know that anyone three years ago was saying, well, the key to any team winning in the NFL is Brian Dayball. And then Definitely all of a sudden not. now he's like the hottest guy going. That, that's true. He's the guy who turned it around. Well, Jason Garrett has more of a history in the NFL than Brian Dayball does. So anyway, you're a hater and I believe in it. Uh, Greeny brought to you by Samsung Galaxy. Redder, uh, Reddit user Ja1073 says, you got to look yourself in the mirror and ask, am I ready for this life? You won't be able to go back to mediocre after this. Are you ready for this life? Find out at samsung.com slash reserve. Coming up, there is one place where they have had three changes in the last month, each of which was individually the biggest day in the history of the sport. So it is being completely rewritten before our eyes. The question is, is it getting better or worse? I will answer that question next on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Our summer games news and notes brought to you by California Almonds, representing your country or representing your trivia team. Almonds are natural fuel for the best you. California Almonds own your every day, every day. Um, I, the, the, the summer games continue, obviously. We haven't done a ton of coverage of that because it is my assumption that if you're interested in the Olympics, you're watching them. And then if you're coming to a place like this to hear conversations like these, it's the oldest thing in the entire industry it's counter programming i'm not i'm not going to sit up here and talk a lot about the olympics when if you're really excited and interested in the olympics which i'm sure many people are you're watching or listening to coverage of that but obviously the the big topic of conversation it seems to be globally is the situation with simone biles and if there's i'll just say this quickly and then move on because i again I, I assume you're watching the coverage of that if you really want to hear someone talk about it at length but i would just say that what is Impossible to ignore as a person who understands mental health issues differently than I think most people do. And that I mean that as myself. I've said many times I'm not a doctor, but I'm a patient and I do understand some things about it. I don't understand the pressures that everybody lives with, but these things can be a factor in your life, whether you live with pressures or not. They can impact anyone at any time in any number of ways. Um, but what is unmistakable are the number of young 
people, and I consider Simone Biles to be very young. If you're my age, 24 is very young. I get that there are much younger people than her in that, um, in that sport and in sports in general. But what is unmistakable is the amount of negativity that they are all feeling. The experience that they are having is not what it was for young athletes and I think young famous people in general 30 years ago, 20 years ago. And social media is, in my opinion, unquestionably the reason for it. Because you have access to all of this feedback at all times. And it's easy for me, a 53-year-old man who's very comfortable in myself, in what I am in my life and in my place in life, and who did not achieve whatever level of fame it is I have, I didn't have until I was a fully formed person. I had children before I had an audience. So it's much easier. I I know that it's easy for me to sit here and say, don't read that crap. Don't look at it. I don't look at Twitter mentions. Hemba will tell you. We sit here talking all the time. I will ask him in the meeting, how's this stuff? How are people reacting on Twitter and whatnot? I don't look at it. Because I know what's there, and I know it's not doing me any good to look at it. It's a shame, because I know there are a lot of really nice people out there who do send a lot of nice, supportive messages. But unfortunately, they are lost amidst the cesspool that is the rest of it. So be it. Twitter has its function in my life. I love it. I use it for exactly how it works for me. I promote the stuff I want to promote. I tweet nice pictures of my family and my dog. I give some sports opinions every now and again, and I get on with my life. And I don't read all of that stuff. But I also get that, again, I'm old, an older person who did not grow up with this. The currency of conversation in my life was not Twitter and Instagram when I was being formed as a human being. For someone like Simone Biles, and she is to me only the most recent example of this, that stuff is meaningful to her. She considers it real. So for me to say that's not real, it's, it's pointless. It's meaningless. It's actually, it's, it's, it's patronizing. It would be condescending. It is her reality. Just because it isn't my reality doesn't mean it isn't hers. And what upsets me about it, it saddens me that someone like her, and I, I would put Naomi Osaka in the same boat, and many, many, many others who we just don't know about because they're not as well-known But I think the amount of strain and stress and unhappiness, look at the NBA superstars. How many of them seem happy? Like Giannis Antetokounmpo was such a breath of fresh air in large part because he seemed to be having a good time playing the sport. I think social media has that. That is one of the real detriments that it has been in our society. And I don't have a solution to it. Uh, I'm, I'm not sitting here telling you we need to do this or that. And again, I know that me telling, I, I don't know Simone Biles at all, but if, if I were to talk to her, I would, the first thing I would say to her is, you should be paying no attention whatsoever to what people are saying on social media. You're Simone freaking Biles. You're the greatest of all time at what you do. And I, of course, I don't understand all of the pressures that are on her. I've never been the greatest athlete in the world, much less the greatest anything. And, and, and something that is that public. And again, when you're wearing red, white, and blue as your outfit, that, that, that I'm sure brings with it a whole other level of pressure that I don't understand. But I am convinced from the, from the comfortable distance at which I sit that social media and that discourse is, at minimum, part of the reason that this is happening. And again, I would like to think that there are smart people trying to figure out solutions to that because I do think it is a problem. I think if young people in this country and and around the world, but I'm obviously much more intimately aware of this country. If young people in this country, if we are having, um, I'm not sure what the right word is, epidemic is not the word I'm looking for. If, If we are having 
a far greater issue than has been previously the case with mental health. Uh, I believe there are a lot of reasons for that, and one of them is the people's willingness to talk about it and be open about it, which I I think is a, a good thing. But I think that social media is a huge factor in that as well. Um, so that's really all there is for me to say about it. I, I don't, I don't have any other great words of wisdom. And again, I, I can't advise Simone Biles. I'm sure she has uh, great people who are close to her, who are giving her any number of pieces of advice, but for whatever little, my perspective on this is worth, I, I really believe that's part of the problem. And I think it is a terrible shame because yes, competing in the Olympics, of course, it naturally is going to come with enormous pressure and enormous expectations, and you do feel the weight of your entire nation and all of that, but it also should be fun. It also is the pinnacle of your professional existence, of your athletic accomplishment. It is, it is the pinnacle of what you have striven or strove, or whatever the word is, strived your entire life to accomplish, and if you are not able to enjoy that at all, that's just a terrible shame. It's no way to live. It's no way to live. It is no way to live reaching the mountaintop and finding that comes with more downside than upside. I can see where that would leave a person feeling very unsettled. So that would be my amateur from a distance, um, you know, read on what I think is happening there. And, and I would just say it is a terrible shame. All right, Greeny with you. A reminder that, that we, we uh, the last five minutes notwithstanding, we usually sit here and have all kinds of silly fun on this program, and we invite you to hang out with it any time that you would like to. And, again, we're live with you two hours every single day, coast-to-coast coast here on ESPN Radio, but there are other ways to hang out with us. Our show streams on ESPN+. Plus. It's live for the two hours that we're on, and then it lives the entire rest of the day, so you can check it out anytime you want on ESPN+. Plus. We are also a podcast. You can find both hours of the show posted every single day, as a podcast, it is called Hashtag Greenie, and it is available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. All right, up next. The Scoop. All right, so The Scoop is this. Hembo and I were having a little conversation before the show today, and here's what we sort of arrived at. The sport of college football has had three things happen in the last, let's call it, six weeks, each of which, on their, on their own right, are the single biggest change that has ever befallen the sport, ever. First, they're going to go to 12 playoff teams. Don't let anyone tell you they're considering it. They're going. They're just figuring it out. So from a sport that, in recent memory, the champion was decided by writers, all of a sudden is going to to go to a 12-team playoff format. That alone was the biggest change that had ever befallen the sport. Then name, image, and likeness came in, and all of a sudden, Bryce Young, the quarterback of Alabama, has seven-figure endorsement deals before he has even stepped foot on a playing field. That was the biggest change in the history of the sport. And now, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big 12 and going to the SEC, which is going to set in motion a series of events, for certain, that are going to completely remake college sports as we know them. And we will live in a world no longer than three or four years from now, and maybe sooner than that, where there are three or four, I say that again, three or four super conferences, and that's it. I believe the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are going to combine. They're going to merge. I think the ACC will grab Notre Dame and, and do anything they can to get them, and Notre Dame might ultimately figure out that they have no choice. And the SEC will, of course, continue to be the SEC. 
and everyone is going to be fighting to figure out where they land. All these schools in the Big 12 got to find a landing spot. Everyone's got to find a landing spot, but it won't be that hard to do because these conferences will have 20, 24 teams. That's what's coming. Each of these changes alone would be the biggest change that's ever befallen the sport. They're all happening at roughly the same time. So here's the question I'm sort of pondering today. I'm totally in favor of the players making their money, first and foremost. If you've listened to me for literally 30 years on the radio now, I've been saying that before it was even really a topic. So because it is the right thing to do, because it was just, in my opinion, completely immoral for the athletes not to be able to profit by their, by their efforts, I'm completely in favor of that. But that's not the question I want to ponder today. The question I want to ponder is not whether these things are good or bad for the sports themselves, whether they're good or bad for the athletes. I want to ponder, is this good or bad for the fan? If you're just a fan of college sports, which I have increasingly become. Again, I grew up in New York City. I was not a huge fan of college sports because in New York City, you have pro teams in every sport that you care about. I didn't care that much. I went to college in Chicago. I went to school in the Big Ten. And my perspective has slowly but surely changed to where I, I, I live and die with the Northwestern games. And then I, by extension, I have always rooted for the Big Ten. And now, and in my career today, I come to appreciate the urgency of college football. Like, I like how important all these games are. So this matters to me as a fan. I'm I'm not particularly a fan of the SEC. Those aren't my teams. I'm not a fan of a Big 12 team, Texas and Oklahoma. I don't have a, a horse in that race. I'm just asking, if you're a casual fan like me, who's not going to be directly impacted by this, do you think the way the sport is changing is going to make it better or worse for you as a fan? And my inclination is to say it's going to be worse. I think it is going to be worse because I think that once they, I think that the continued professionalization of the sport, which all three of those things do, the players are now genuinely being compensated financially. That makes them professionals, no matter how desperately the NCAA tries to cling to the word amateur. They are professionals. The putting together of these super conferences, you're, you're going to have a league. This is going to be a league now. This is no longer going to be a country that is divided up into different subsections of sports. This is going to be one central league, not so differently than the NFL is or the NBA is or Major League Baseball or any of the other sports are. And then uh, what was the third one? Oh, the, the 12 playoff teams. Well, what does that sound like? <laughs> what, what, what exactly does that sound like? So I think the differentiation of collegiate sports from the NFL is going to be blurred. And I think if you are not one who has a horse in the race, if you don't, like, like I think in the southeastern part of this country where I know we have huge audiences, and, and I welcome that, I love that, I think this will remain incredibly important because that, that it will not impact your passion for it because this is your whole life. But there are many of us, like myself, who've really come to the party mostly because of the difference because it's different, because every game feels like there's a championship riding on it, because I get to watch these kids and they are still somewhere in the back of mind kids who are not getting paid for this stuff, because there are 
big games in this conference this week and big games in that conference next week and the team's going to win that one and the team's going to win that one and you have something to play for even if you're not good you're still trying to win the conference championship and that still means something and somewhere deep in the recesses of my mind as the as an alum of a big 10 institution the idea that the big 10 and the pac 10 which it will always be to me but now the pac 12 <laughs> the winners would play each other in the rose bowl which i know doesn't happen anymore but it's still all kind of in there and it's all going to be gone now and i do wonder if for casual fans, this all these changes will not, in the long run, be beneficial. They will not fuel more interest in the sport than they otherwise would. That might be a completely naive and ridiculous way of looking at it. What do you think? Well, I think the lines will be blurred, but I'm not certain that that is a bad thing. In fact, the people whom I uh, talk to most often about college football are, are ardent college football fans, and they're the ones that don't like this. I think the casual fans like you and me of the sport actually stand to benefit from some of these changes because as best I can tell, college football has gotten more popular since instituting the college football playoff. That creates a lot more conversation throughout the season. Tripling the size of that tournament, best I can tell, would, be, would, would potentially work wonders for the sport. And that's happened while, you know, Rutgers and, and Nebraska and, you know, all these, all these different teams traditionally have changed where they've played. And it's, it's not obvious to me that that's really been a bad thing for college football. We just sort of get used to those kinds of things. To me, like capitalism and innovation are, aren't things that should be harnessed. Those are things that should be explored. And I think we'll deal with the unintended consequences when we get there. But I'm not a fan of pulling things back. I think we sort of entered the Wild West, and I'm, I'm willing, to, I, I, and I'm willing to at least give it a chance. I'm in favor of most of this. Stuff. Okay, so so I hear what you're saying, and I don't actually disagree with a word you just said. But I want to go back to the premise. It's not about whether this will make college football bigger. It unquestionably will. Right. College football, from from a financial standpoint, from a pure money making standpoint, will grow exponentially for all of this. Clearly. They'll continue to make their TV deals with us. And the SEC is coming here. It's going to be enormous. And, and you know, the super conferences, they'll all find their places. And maybe they'll all be here. Some of them will be here. Fox, mm-hmm. who knows where they'll be. This will grow. That's for sure. And more players will be playing and more players will want to play football now because they can make money in college. All of that will be good. But I guess I'm just asking, when you're sitting down with your clicker to watch a game on mm-hmm. a Saturday and you're watching – and they're putting up the salary of how much the quarterback is making, and, and all of a sudden this team is playing that team, and they're going to play again later in the season like they do now in the right. NFL because we're in a 24-team conference. And so they play, Ohio State and Michigan are going to play each other twice this year and all that kind of stuff. Like I, There's something about the specialness of it. There's something about the uniqueness of it that I would worry a little bit about losing. Like tradition and history are a huge part of that sport. Because these really are traditions that are passed down, generally speaking, from generation to generation. I'm a fan of this team because my father before me was, and so was his, and so on and so on and so on. And I do wonder about a little bit of that getting lost in the wash. Uh, 15 seconds, Nuno. Agree or disagree? Which side of this are you on? All I'll say is anyone that uses the word clicker maybe does deserve an old man haircut. <laughs> oh my. Nuno's on fire. Did I week. say clicker? You said clicker. <laughs> you did. In clicker. what context did I say clicker? <laughs> Sitting there with a clicker. Clicker. You said when you turn on your clicker to watch college football game, you use the word clicker instead of remote or, or literally anything else. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to go get my old man haircut. I kind of like the bangs. And see how it goes. They're not bangs. <laughs> 
All right, over there, you. I don't even know what this. We've run out of time, mercifully, because this has just been pick on the host day, and there's going to be a meeting after the show. (laughs) I'll tell you that. See you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.